The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. My family thinks I'm crazy. A podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shady. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again <laughs> with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, your whole podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? first real glimpse into the full scope of the matrix was thanks to this man whose reputation precedes him from time loops to reptilian overlords the impact that today's guest has had on the collective consciousness is monumental joining us here on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast for the first time david ike author speaker and leader in the truth community i'm mystic mark joining me today is my guest co-host ron of the wicked planet podcast now enjoy this episode of the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast with david ike Aware enough to just about function in the human world or aware enough to see what this human world actually is and how it works and where it's going. And the idea of the cult is to hold people, hold people in a sense of self-identity that is basically the human five senses. What can I see it, touch it, taste it, hear it, etc. Then it exists. If I can't, then it doesn't. And so if you can pull people into only basically five sense sense of reality, you are pulling them into deeply into the realm of limitation. The perception of I can't, the perception of it's not possible. And thus, that's where you want them because from that perspective, you can make them believe anything, you can make them do anything, they are no problem to your agenda. The little me mentality, what can I do? I have no power. The idea of the cult psychologically is to get you to self-identify your I, who you are with those labels, because that's gonna pull you into the realm of uh, limitation and you're playing in their stadium then. Gotcha. It's a very simple mathematical equation. Look at the number of people in the world, closing on 8 billion. 
And then look at the number of people with full knowledge who are behind the way the world is, the directions being taken. Then add to that number all the law enforcement, all the government officials in their dark suits imposing the will of the cult without a most of them even knowing there is a cult, all the all the the others in the system, add all them in, and then take that number away from eight billion, and you'll be left with almost eight billion uh, comparatively, because the number of people, both in full knowledge of what they're doing and those that are gophers, most of them not knowing why they're doing it, is tiny compared with the population. So, it's a simple question: How could billions of people be forced into lockdown? by that number. Here, Ron is is quite familiar with uh, Richard Richard Willett, so I figured I'd invite oh, Richard, yeah. Ron in yes. here as my impromptu co-host. But you know, David, I gotta say, I couldn't think of a better person to have on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast because when you came out with your awakening, it wasn't just your family; it was the whole country that thought you were crazy, right? So I I want to, if you can, yeah. take us back to when this all started. We'll get rolling right now okay well i was i was born in the east midlands of of england in 1952 and i wanted to be a footballer uh, and i became one but then arthritis finished that when i was 21 and i became a journalist uh, newspaper journalist uh, radio journalist and then a a television journalist and then i moved into presenting television sport and after after a while in the 1980s, I, 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 I'd really lost interest in the media, in the mainstream media. I, I thought it was a very vacuous world and a very cutthroat one. They used to say about the BBC, they get so confused, they stab each other in the chest. But so I, I started looking elsewhere in terms of my interest. And I was very concerned at the time about the, not the, you know, global warming so much as the, the whole destruction of the environment and um, pollution, genuine pollution, not carbon dioxide. And so I, I got involved with the Green Party. I became a national spokesman for the Green Party for a, a while. And I got disillusioned with that because I, I saw politics from the inside. All this was, was building towards where I was going. It was absolutely essential background I was picking up, although I didn't know where I was going at the time. And I realized that politics was not the answer, it was the problem. And that it doesn't matter what the the rosette may be or the color of it may be, it doesn't matter what the name of the door may be, they basically all operate the same way. And, and then I, I went through a an extraordinary awakening, you may say, in 1990, So that's a long story, but basically the top of my head blew off. And it it's like you're living in a bubble, a bubble of reality, a bubble of perception, a bubble of self-identity. And then someone comes along and bursts it. And they don't tell you they're going to burst it. And they don't do it slowly. They do it instantly. And so I went through three months of just phenomenal transition from the perception I had before to the perception I, I was gathering. And being well known in Britain, in that three months where this enormous transition was taking place, I, I went on the biggest audience talk show in Britain at the time called The Wogan Show. 
1991 it was. And that triggered just the most historic levels of ridicule that, that almost anyone could have experienced uh, it, with such intensity. I couldn't go anywhere without being laughed at in the street. I mean, anywhere. But, you know, with hindsight, it gave me something. It gave me a gift because our worst nightmares often give us our greatest gifts. And that was, I had a choice. I could go under or I could let go of the the prison that most people live in, which is the fear of what other people think. I chose the latter because I'm a stubborn bastard. And um, so it set me free of this concern with how other people see me. Now, I didn't know at the time, but it was going to be essential that because if you care about what other people think about you and how they see you and what your, quote, image is, then you're not going to come out with a lot of stuff that I've come out with since. You're going you're gonna to keep well out of that. Because, you know, I mean, I, I just have to smile sometimes when people have said to me over the years, didn't you know when you said this and said that and said the other that you were going to get ridiculed? Actually, I had worked that out, funny enough. But once you, once you let go of that fear of what the people think, it frees you to pursue the truth for the, the truth's sake. Not even being attached to what the truth is, but just finding out what the heck it is and what's going on and, and why. And uh, all these different things that were happening, including the mass ridicule, while it was, it was horrible, it, it was horrible for my kids, it was horrible for my family, they were you know, ridiculed at school and so on. It actually has set, has set us all free in a way because my, my two boys are very much um, involved in this now and have been for some, for some years. And, uh, you know, Gareth in particular, in particular was a little boy when this horrific historic level of ridicule was going on. So, so he saw it firsthand. Yeah. You know, Gareth, uh, Gareth and Richard, the, the, the work that they do together is, is phenomenal. I mean, I'm just really a really big fan. And I see that they're actually coming out with several new, several new shows, right? I mean, Rich has the glitch in the code and then they got the WTAF right. and then they're just coming out with across the pond. And I, and I know Gareth is going to be super busy with iconic because that's taken off. Right, David. I mean, that's just amazing what you can go on iconic and see that's virtually banned everywhere else. And that's, what's really impressive that, that they did, uh, that they've kind of joined you and moved along with this because, you know, we all get ridiculed for what we say. Obviously I've been a fan of yours for many years, watch your show on Gaia television and to follow a lot of your work and, and, and to, to see how people have ridiculed you. But, you know, as you said, you kind of had to expect that, but you've worked that out. Right. So at, now at this point, at this point in the, in the conspiracy field, I like, we consider you like, like the godfather of the conspiracy world. And that's why it's uh, it, we're very honored to have you uh, and come on. I want to, I want to second that. Thank you, Ron, for saying that. And David, it's yeah. Thank you so much for retelling that because here on the, my family thinks I'm crazy podcast. I hope that people listen wherever they are in the world 
and they can take some solace in the fact that they're not alone because that ridicule that you felt on a nationwide, even a global level, I think a lot of people have been experiencing, particularly in the past two years, those of us who are open-minded, those of us who question the narrative and aren't willing to go along with wearing a face diaper. But clearly you were well-prepared for the past two years. Did you see it coming at all? I mean, could you have expected that they would take us to these, you know, depths of fascism through the medical, you know, this sort of medical uh, Trojan horse of sorts? Oh, uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, because, you know, pe- people have, have said, oh, how did you predict the future? And I say I didn't. What I did was uh, spend decades uncovering what the projected agenda for the world was by what I call this global cult, this global network of interconnecting centrally uh, controlled, ultimately, secret societies. And it's a simple thing that if there is an agenda for the world and nothing intervenes to change that agenda, well, that agenda becomes the future, what we call the future. So, I, I, you know, I've not predicted the future. I've predicted the, where, the, where, the, where this cult wants the world to go, where it's manipulating the world to go. And when you know, I have this phrase, know the outcome and you'll see the journey, and if you know what the outcome is planned to be, which is this centrally controlled global fascist dictatorship beyond Orwellian, where the, the, the world, including the human mind, is controlled by artificial intelligence, that's where, where it's all supposed to head and uh, finish up, then you start to see the, 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 the progress or the, pro, the uh, process to, to that end. And so what appears to the general population who haven't researched this as random events, things just happen out of nowhere, to you become very clear steps towards that that outcome. And so you've seen in recent days how the, the, the COVID era has become the Ukraine era. And it's basically been a progression and they'll, you know, they'll bring the, the pandemic stuff back for sure. I mean, you, because of the nature of the potential for transforming uh, human society of what they call uh, pandemics. So once this thing happened in, started to appear in China in late 2019, I could see the, immediately the potential for pushing on towards this outcome. And so... I, di- I didn't jump in immediately. I don't like to do that. I like to sit and watch and observe. And by the early uh, weeks of 2020, it was clear the potential was, was, was enormous and the information was coming out about all the, the preparations for it, like Event 201 and so on with Gates and Schwab, and etc. And so it was obvious because do things happen they don't plan and they ride the back of them to advance the agenda. Yes, absolutely that happens. But the major, this has been my experience anyway over 30 years, the major society changing, agenda advancing situations are not random, which they ride the back of. They're planned and they are orchestrated. And so very early on in 2020, it was very clear that this was going to be a, a massive push 
to to get closer and closer to this uh, this Orwellian outcome or beyond Orwellian outcome, and that's how it turned out. And so w- w- once you know that that's the goal, you start to see the the elements within it very clearly. So one of the things I've been pointing out for for decades is that the plan is to create a structure in this this Orwellian global state that I call the Hunger Games Society, where you have the tiny few at the top of the pyramid dictating to everyone else at the bottom of the pyramid. Through dependency, you make the population dependent on those few. And then in between the two, you impose a, a vicious police state, actually a police military state, ultimately, the uh, fusion of the two is the plan, to impose the will of the less than 1% upon the population and to stop the population rebelling against the 1%. So a massive advancement toward goal, that, uh, that structure, was lockdown. Because if you're going to create a dependency of the population upon the few, then you have to delete independent sources of livelihood. You have to destroy independent businesses. Uh, Because while they exist, you don't have the dependency that leads to the control you want. So they've got to go. And so soon as... um, They started talking about lockdown. I could see, well, this is this is the game. This is about destroying um, people economically. It's nothing to do with health. And so then, when Professor Neil Ferguson came out, absolutely at exactly the right time, the Gates-funded Ferguson in London and the Gates-funded Imperial College in London with these computer models completely bloody made up to say there's going to be all these people dying in Britain, all these people dying in America and other countries if you don't lock down. All the pieces immediately in the spring of 2020 were coming together so fast in my mind. And they couldn't justify lockdown with what was happening. So they do a projection of what will happen if you don't lock down. And I was uh, sent an email, a very long and detailed email, written by an uh, American medical scientist in March 2020 that kind of laid out a lot of it, how they were going to use the PCR test to scan the cases, how they were going to take the most extreme of flu cases and they were going to call them COVID-19. And because they took the extreme of the flu cases, more people were going to die from extreme flu than would across the whole area of people getting flu. So you take the extreme cases, you're going to get more deaths from flu. But you've redesignated it COVID-19. So now you're saying, hold on a minute, COVID-19 is more deadly than the flu. And and this was all kind of explained to me in in March 2020. And then when you realize the PCR test was not testing for, is not testing for a infectious disease, the whole scam starts to come together. And, uh, you know, you, you you can look at the last two years and you can get angry and, and that's understandable and you can get frustrated and that's understandable. But another way of doing it is just to shake your bloody head and, and realize how blatant the whole thing is 
if people bother to do the research. But if they don't, well, what happened will happen. Right. And, and that was part of the problem over here in the United States is, is when this was all starting to come down, everybody, it, it was just amazing to me how easily everybody fell into the narrative. I mean, with the exception of a lot of people in our podcasting circle, but, you know, they just went along with everything. And as you say, it's designed to get rid of small business. I'm a small business owner. I have to say it didn't really affect me because my business was deemed essential right by the state of New Hampshire. And if you had a st- uh, essential business, well, then you didn't have to close down. You just had to follow these COVID protocols, which we did none of that. None of that. And, uh, but people fell into line so easy. And, and I think what was happening was not enough people were getting sick. So this is when they come out with this PCR test that even the inventor, Kerry Mullis is like, okay, this, this test is not designed to do this. And you know, he was no fan of Fauci like whatsoever and then we yeah and then when we start telling people okay go check out event 201 because because this is how they laid this whole thing out and people still wouldn't believe you and this is the part where you say it's frustrating you can shake your head all day but you still you still want to get this information out there right yeah you you do you do do, but for your own for your own uh emotional state uh, i think we need to take a, a step back and and, and do the work and put and do everything you can to get the information out there. I mean, I work seven days a week, every week, I, I just, just incessant, not to get pulled in as to the frustration and the anger and the fury, because uh, that will just drain you and, 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 and make you less effective. I mean, the, the, the passion to do it should be in there anyway, without the need for, you know, anger and, and what, have, what, what have you. So I, I, everyone responds to these things the way they do, and we're all individual, thank goodness, and we're all unique. But that's the way I, I, I work. I don't get angry, get even. I think the phrase is right. You know, like, right. Don't don't get angry. Get get the information out there. But but what you're talking about, you see, is is the whole foundation of human control and that's perception. You control perception. You control behavior. You control behavior. Collectively, you control human societies, and the you know the greatest way of controlling behavior, perception, is to get people in fear. This is why pandemics are so absolutely perfect for what this cult wants to do in its transformation of human society. So it's 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 a long story. There are many elephant, uh, elements to it, a lot of elephants as well, but elements to it. But basically, it's this. If, if you can keep the population in ignorance of life, reality, how it works, who we are, where we are, where we come from, then you put um, people in a little bubble of ignorance. But what you're also doing is creating an enormous amount, far more than is necessary, of unknowns. So, so much to the population is unknown and it's absolutely symbolic and uh, systematic because the education system, you look in America, the Rockefellers were behind that, J.D. Rockefeller, etc. And it's the same around the world. It's about keeping people in ignorance, calling it education when it's really indoctrination. And so you've got this enormous amount of unknowns like 
Who are we? Where are we? What is this place? Where do we come from? Where do we go? Do we go anywhere? And people are instinctively fearful of the unknown. Uh And the more unknown you can give them, the more reasons they have to fear. And the most powerful of the unknowns to, to people is death. What happens at death and where do we go? Do we go anywhere again? And, and, and so if you fear death because it's the ultimate unknown to most people, then you make surviving for as long as possible under any bloody circumstances, basically, the goal of, 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 of enormous numbers of people. Right. The number so one you, priority over everything. Yeah. Once you, and once you prime that, once you caught the, the gun on that, then you can play it like a stringed instrument because now you are introducing a alleged pandemic. You're telling people there's a deadly virus. You're telling people that their loved ones are in danger. Indeed, you could put your loved ones in danger. You are in danger. And you've got one of the great, increasingly the greatest cult operation in the world, and that's China and the Chinese uh, government, doing the stage shows of people falling and, and collapsing in the street, all prelims for this attack on the West. And then you you need uh, a Western example to up the fear. So it's not just far, far away in China. Look, it's happening in Italy. If it could happen in Italy, it could happen to us in America and in Britain and France and Canada. And so you had this so-called COVID crisis in northern Italy, which shut down the whole country, of course. Coincidentally, a week after they had the hug a Chinese person holiday as well. I, I think you remember that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and yeah, but it was, it, it was also the fact, and it's also always with hindsight that these things come out. Hindsight in the sense that the authorities are not going to admit it at the time, but once the deal is done and the reason for it is gone, then they might start admitting a few things like they are doing here. The masks didn't work and then this didn't work and this maybe not such a good idea, but it doesn't matter because that's the deal's already done. So what you had in Italy was all these pictures of apparently crisis and, and, and absolute turmoil in the hospitals of Northern Italy. And then later, the Italian medical authorities admitted that 99% of people who were supposed to have died of COVID had one, two, three, four or more comorbidities, Mm -hmm. reasons to die. And that in the end, they announced that maybe only 12% of the people that had COVID on the death certificate actually died of COVID. And, you know, I would seriously question that too. So, so you had this, this whole stage show going on in China. For the, for the world, all orchestrated. And crucial at that first point in China was to establish draconian lockdown as the means of response. This is why this guy, Ted Ross, at the World Health Organization, a Gates appointee, absolute crook, corrupt to his DNA, announced very early on that 
the way that China has handled the, quote, crisis is the way that everyone else should do. Gates said something similar. And so when we moved to Italy and, and the first real big crisis in the West in the COVID era, the Italian government did a China. They locked down the whole bloody country. And, and so when um, the thing started moving into uh, the whole hoax started moving into uh, other Western countries, the response was already in place. But like, uh, you know, I said earlier, the, the number of people who were dying in the spring of 2020 were not sufficient to justify this is a deadly virus, et cetera, et cetera. So you had the, the computer models predicting what's going to happen unless we lock down. And so they got their lockdowns. And both sides of the Atlantic, they did something else. In Britain, because they didn't have the deadly virus, they used the, the computer models to project it. This is what's going to happen. Of course, it didn't. But they also needed, to, to, to not put too fine a point on it, they needed dead people to, mm-hmm. to, 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 to push this fear of death, this fear of this virus, which was going to get people to meekly go under lockdown in fear of what will happen if they don't. And to turn on everyone else who was seeing through it by saying you're putting everyone in danger. This is all the psychology. Uh, The whole thing's been a psychological operation. The whole cult agenda is a psychological operation. So the health secretary in Britain called Matt Hancock at the time, he ordered, uh, this is all provable with the data, by the way, documentation. He ordered unprecedented amounts of an end-of-life drug called midazolam, which is used in conjunction with morphine as an end-of-life drug and a sedative as, as people are dying. And by some American states, it's used in the midazolam in the um, execution process. Mm-hmm. And so not only did he order vast amounts of this stuff, he then used it or overseen saw the use of it in the spring of 2020 in unprecedented amounts. All this is documentable. It's all there in the record. And uh, so at the same time that they were then giving this midazolam drug to, to enormous, no, thousands and thousands of old people in British care homes, they all, because of COVID, their relatives couldn't visit them. So no one was watching their back. There's no one there. No, no loved ones could come. Same thing here, David. Same yeah. exact thing here. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. And and that's Fauci, and that's Remdesivir, another drug that they uh, they use. Governor of New York, a, a close friend of ours, lost his mother to Remdesivir. Very sadly, you know, you know, shouted yeah. with the doctor about it, and and they wouldn't they wouldn't budge. Well, they're starting to use. Well, they they are they have been using Remdesivir here as well. I mean, it, despite the American um, experience, which is extraordinary, and just shows you this is not just stupidity. There's lots of stupid doctors, but this is not just stupidity. This is called calculation. So what they were looking for in this, because one of the hardest things to have got across in the last 30 years is the level and scale of evil we're dealing with. These people have no empathy, no compassion. They have no emotional consequence, no matter what they do. And and one of the biggest, going back to what you said about families and stuff and people saying, oh, you know, that, that can't be happening. The biggest problems you have with that is people literally cannot get their heads around 
the scale of evil that we're dealing with, and therefore they judge what others would do by what they would do, and they say they would never do that. Right. The, the, the fact is, they would not only do it, they get off on doing it. It, it, it gives them a, a buzz. Uh, that this is the scale of um, evil that we're dealing with. So they needed the first wave of COVID. They needed it in, in, in America, and they needed it in, in Britain. Right. And Medazolam gave them the first wave of COVID. It wasn't the first wave of COVID at all. It was the first wave of Medazolam. And in America, Fauci, and, and this is again documentable, Fauci absolutely had the studies showing that if you give people remdesivir, there is a heck of a good chance they're going to go into multiple organ failure, particularly uh -huh. in the kidneys, and that the abdominal cavity is going to fill up with water and the lungs are going to fill up with water, and they called that COVID-19, and they called the midazolam deaths COVID-19, because all you had to do and all you have to do to be designated a COVID patient is to test positive with a test that's not testing for it. So you can see all these different elements, and it was all in place long before to play out, have created the illusion of a deadly virus that's simply not there. And and then you 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 realize the the scale of preparation and the way this has been planned in such detail for so long. When you then go to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and you see the, the people that have gone through his um, school, his young leaders school over the years, that have been in positions, in key positions to power around the world in this same era that all this was going on, whether it's Trudeau in Canada or Dern in New Zealand, Morrison in, in, in Australia, Macron in, in, in France, all over the place. And you, you realize the scale of preparation that's gone on because it's such, it's such an incredibly powerful and effective vehicle for advancing this agenda of the Hunger Games Society that I talked about. Right. Now, yeah. David, I've heard you talk about consciousness in the past and and how the manipulation of our mind really rests on the fact that we're living in a conscious world and as you put earlier in our conversation they depend on our ignorance the vast sea of unknown we have certain theorists have claimed that well what's happening right now in the past 20 years with covid and and the wars and it feels like we're on a cycle you know you look at the early 1900s you look at the early 1800s there seems to be a theme of these pandemics do you find any merit to that argument that maybe these elites are playing into some sort of esoteric cycle that is constantly spinning and they're just tapping into it well, I think they're creating it as well because of this fear of death being so central to the human psyche. They're playing on it all the time. Fear of death, fear of war, fear of nuclear war. What is that? It's fear of death. They're playing on that now in another way. Big time. Uh, yeah. So, you know, this, this is, it's all psychological because, like I said earlier, all behavior comes from the perception of the person behaving. So if you can control perception, you control behavior, and the collective behavior of the human race is called human society. And this is the real foundation of the censorship. This, this hysterical censorship is about not just telling people 
what to believe, what to perceive, what perceptions to have, you can do that. But it's also to deny them access to other information that might lead to different perceptions. So what you've had, and it started to affect me immediately, as soon as I started challenging this stuff in the spring of 2020, I, I I, I, I was off everywhere. Because if you're going to program someone's perception, which is what this is all about, then you don't want alternative information that might give people another perception. You want to get rid of that. And so what we've seen, again, this progression, this stepping stone, is more and more and more censorship. And we're about to enter another massive stage of it. And what they um, are doing, they're doing it in Britain through something called the Online Safety Bill, but it's happening in Canada and it's happening in Australia and it's happening all over, is they're using this concept of harm. Not is something true or not, but is something potentially harmful. So, for instance, this Online Safety Bill, which is going through Parliament now, which will give a government broadcast regulator, a totally fascist organization created by Tony Blair in 2001 called Ofcom, the Office of Communications, the power to delete from the internet on the, on the basis of if you don't, you'll get crippling fines or even jail time, things that are legal and lawful but are considered by Ofcom to be potentially harmful. So what you could say in the street becomes deleted from the internet because Ofcom says so. And like I say, other countries like Canada, you would expect Canada with Trudeau, are, are, are pushing something similar. So the idea is that, and I've said this way back, that the plan is that eventually no one will see or hear anything that is not sanctioned by authority. And, and that means, of course, that it will create total control of the information that people receive. And where do we get our perceptions from? Information that we receive. And so this, this is meant to get more and more extreme until that point is reached. And so when they say, as they of course have, well, if you don't like, you know, being censored by an independent company like Facebook or Twitter, you're independent, I love it, then start your own. So people have. Necessity is the mother of invention. Some great, great platforms have been created to overcome the censorship. But what do they allow? information that challenges the official narrative. Cool, can't have that. And that's where these various pieces of legislation are coming in, like the online safety bill, to say to these independent platforms, you take that down or we'll destroy you with fines uh-huh. and jail time. Uh, and so that's where, that's where it's going. And uh, you know, people need to, need to realize that where we are is not where it's planned to stay. It's meant to move on and get more and more extreme. David, don't you feel that we're just in like a little a little lull right now? Because I think that this is just like like all of a sudden overnight you have Boris Johnson dropping mass mandates, dropping vaccine mandates. 
Same thing here in the United States. Trudeau, Trudeau, which I keep an eye on because where I live, I'm only, I'm only like three hours from the Quebec border. So, so now all of a sudden he drops his emergency powers act and you see all these things happening. Like it seems like, I mean, it's not overnight, but overnight, basically now all, this, now all this stuff is going away. Now our kids in school, there's no mass mandates for the kids in school. Even the transportation mass mandates been dropped ahead of time. And, and, and of course in the United States, like we believe that that's because the midterm elections are coming up and the Democrats know they are running scared on this. But but what do you think? What do you think was the was the situation over there in the UK? And I and I mean we you know we understand why things are bad in the UK, New Zealand, Australia, and Canada because aren't these countries still under the rule of the crown? Yeah, but the crown the crown is the cult. It's, it's a vehicle for the cult. Right, and this is why this is why these lockdowns are so bad in these countries, though. Yeah, but you. You have to get a look at the psychology of it. You know, if, if you, for instance, put people in a bad situation, what they'll tend to do eventually is kind of come to terms with it. And you kind of go on and, and you don't like it, but you, you've, you've kind of found an equilibrium with it, living with it. It's another psychological thing to roll it all back and say, oh, no, it's gone now. And people go, thank God for that. And then you kick it back in again. Mm-hmm. The psychological impact of the kicking back in and it all starting again is a, a, a massive blow to the to the psyche. And, the, and they are definitely going to try to bring this back in again at some point. It almost feels sure. like a summer break that they do to kids here yeah. in the States where you, you get three months off of school and then September comes around and that dreaded school bell starts ringing every day again. Yeah, I mean, Fauci's actually said a few things, hasn't he? Uh, uh, I mean, he's, he's just appeared from, you know, he's disappearing. He's appeared from his say, cave. Well, you know, it's not over just yet. recently, just yeah. recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, then you've got this thing in China that's going on. And, and more lockdowns. China, China, China is totally cult owned. The Mao revolution was a, a cult revolution. And it was for this reason. They wanted to um, create a closed society in China, totally controlled, within which they could incubate the system they wanted to play out globally. Now, in the West, well, until the COVID era, they had to pay some kind of lip service to freedom and, and what have you, so they could move slower than in China, where what the government said happened. And so what China have developed, the social credit system, the incredible... Mm-hmm level of surveillance, the millions of cameras in every city, they've created this cult global society control system. And if you look at what's happened since the, the COVID hoax was played, the West has become more and more like, like, like China. It created so, the blueprint. So then look at something else. This is these, all these connect over the last few decades against all the interests of American people, American workers, the corporations with government support have been moving their production to China and the East, controlled by China. And thus they've given China, they've handed China control of the supply chain. So what's happening now with the phenomenal rise in in fuel prices and gas prices is that all these, all the prices of everything are being hit, plus the fact that 
middlemen and what have you are using that as an excuse to add even more to it they don't need to. So the prices are going through the roof. And as you affect the supply chain, obviously, if things aren't as available as they were or, or usually, the price goes up. So everything is, is uh, this is about crushing um, people and bringing them down into the Hunger Games society uh-huh. of dependency on the few. This is, this is what this is absolutely happening in front of our eyes, what I've been talking about these decades. So China now, in alliance with Russia, has, a, has energy supplies, and together they can operate as one alliance economically as well as militarily. And I've been saying for years and years the, the idea is to push China and Russia together in alliance militarily and economically, which what is happening now is absolutely doing very quick. And so when you, you look at what is happening in China, for instance, you can say, oh, it's another COVID crisis. But actually it's locking down tens and tens of millions of people. It's locking down factories and it's locking down supply chains. So the supply chain is being hit again. And, and China doesn't have to come out and say, oh, we're, we're just going to uh, cut the supply chain. Look what we're doing. It's, well, you know, we've got no choice. We've got to deal with COVID. So it's, it's all, it's all, it's all theater. Right. Um, and the idea, I've been saying this for so long, is, is to dismantle Western society and turn it into Chinese society in terms of the way it's run and the way it's controlled. So suddenly, lots and lots of dots come together. Why is it that American governments, the Biden one now is a classic, are making decisions that are increasing dramatically the price of, of energy not least shutting pipelines down and and stopping investment in carbon uh, fuels. Why are they? Why would they do that to the detriment, massive detriment of American people? Why would success, successive administrations allow this movement of production from America, in many cases essential supplies, to China? Why have they made successive decisions to benefit China? at the expense of America. Europe, too, has done the same. Because the cult controls the American administration, it controls the British administration, the French administration, the Canadian administration, it controls China. So it's, this is where the pennies drop when you, you, you realize that this cult has no borders. The borders are for, for the public consumption to the cult, China is the United States. The United States is Russia, is Europe. And in this destruction of Western society is the massive movement of people into Western countries. This is why Biden has opened the southern border of the United States. Wide open. He's opened it, well, opened it for a, no, a number of reasons. I say he has people controlling. First of all, you're changing the demographics of America. I mean, the, the numbers are phenomenal. But you're also doing something else. And this brings other dots in, like George Soros's um, funding of district attorneys who then stop prosecuting crime and let violent people out, uh, like Gascon in uh, Los Angeles. This is all connected Because part of destroying Western society, American society, is the breakdown of all coherence. 
So what you want coming across the southern border are these psychopathic, beyond psychopathic drug gangs and uh, crime syndicate gangs. And you also want drugs coming into America to destroy American societies like fentanyl through the, the Mexican drug um, cartels. What's the biggest center of fentanyl production? Wuhan, China. China. Wuhan, China. So, so again, this is a cult via China attack on American society to create, to break it down. And this is another thing because it's all psychological. I mean, once you, once the penny drops, that the psyche is is the goal. That that's the target, the psyche, because everything comes from that. This is why a senile moron has been put into the presidency. I mean, they could have got someone, possibly, into power. They sold them well enough. Who would be all up for what this cult is doing and and would be uh, making decisions and and, and what have you and, and everything that Biden's doing or what's being done in Biden's name could have been done by someone else who, while being perceived as not doing the right thing by America would, would be seen as like, you know, some form of intelligent bloke or intelligent woman. So why have they brought a obviously senile moron and put him in the presidency? It's psychological. One, they're saying to you subconsciously and consciously, we can put anyone in the white house we like. Uh And secondly, here you have the proud, the proud nation that, that's proud of its country. Well, you know, if they're not woke, they're proud of their country. Now they're looking at a country that's got a moron that's being laughed at around the world as the president of the United States. A man who 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 can hardly anymore even read a teleprompter. And so it's break. This is the the key, and it. it goes back into the psyche it's breaking the spirit of america that's what it's about this is what what happened on uh, january the 6th was all about in washington and the aftermath and the absolutely extraordinary extremes to which those those people have been subjected kept in prison a horrible horrible prison in washington all this time since it's because they're saying to those that want to push back, this is what happens if you take us on. And it's, again, trying to break the spirit so people become subservient and think there's nothing we can do. It's all psychological. Hmm. Well, I can I, – oh, I'm sorry, David. One thing that I think is a little bit of a saving grace here in the United States is that there is a huge – like millions and millions of us Right. We're, we're a country of over 320 million people here. Right now, Biden, you know, allegedly got 80 million votes, which we know that that's not true. So you, there's so there's a huge faction of pretty hardcore patriots in this country. And, you know, of course, we're allowed to have firearms here and all kinds of them. So so, you know, I don't think their spirit is broken. I mean, we do have a frustration level, of course. But, you know, it's like we knew that this was going to happen on electric election night. 
that Biden was going to get it. I mean, how can this guy sit in a cellar? Like you say, he can't even read a teleprompter now. And Campbell, Kamala Harris, like she has no, like, zero. Now, Ron, zero, you, you... Zero brains to be doing her job. You bring up... Uh, brain cells to rub together. But that's another thing you see. That's another part of the psychology. They've not just got a moron in the presidency. They've got a moron in the vice presidency. The whole the, the whole of the White House is is, is, is controlled in terms of official office by moronic people who, who vacuous, vacuous and deeply corrupt people. So it's fantastic that people's, uh, you, what you say, that people's spirit is not being broken. What I'm saying is that's the idea to break uh-huh. that spirit. And, and, and one massive way to do that is to make people unable to, to survive economically. That's all, it's all about breaking the spirit and bringing you into subservience. And this is what the um, guaranteed income is all about. It's being trialed in some American cities. It's being trialed in other places around the world. It's not being trialed. It's planned to be brought in because it's a means of control. The idea, going back to what I said earlier, is to destroy independent income, independent from the cult system and the, the cult corporation. And once that's gone then how are you going to put food on the table? How are mm-hmm. you going to survive? Uh, because there's, there's economic mayhem and Armageddon. So the idea is they come forward and they say, we're going to, we're going to give people a, a, a guaranteed income so that they can survive. And of course, you've got the jobs disappearing all the time because of AI taking them over. But obviously, it's going to come with a rider. And the rider is you can get your guaranteed income, which will be a pittance, but only if you do what you're told. Hmm. You want to push back against the government? You want to criticize the government? Well, you're not getting that. You're not getting anything. And that's why they want to go cashless. And yeah, so that they can control that. Absolutely. And and I'm so glad you brought that point up, Ron, because I know, David, your time is short and I want to end on the point of solutions. Obviously, we have a lot of gun-toting patriotic people here in the States, but it's pretty obvious that they've taken this war to a psychological and an intellectual economic level to disarm us from being able to engage in combat, fight back on that level. Where do you think we need to take the fight? You know, is it a spiritual fight? Are we, are we reinforcing, you know, the community? What do you recommend folks do? Well, it's that that's a, a real uh, deep, a deep, deep answer, really, which would take quite a long time to to go into the real depth of it. But if you look at the woke mentality, which has all been created by this cult, it's all funded by the billionaires. It's it's targeting men. It's targeting testosterone. It's targeting people who stand up. Whereas in China, <laughs> they're emphasizing that that's what has to happen. They have people, you know, men have to be men, as the old saying goes. So even on, on that level, not even on that level, it's massively part of it. They are dismantling the American psyche and and turning out. See, you talk about, we talked earlier about people in fear, fear being the, the, the currency of control. I mean, you get people in fear, then they'll look to someone outside of themselves to protect them from what they fear. That's the whole idea. But you look at the woke mentality, it's all based on fear. They're frightened of their own shadow. So, of course, the woke mentality is behind pushing the climate change hoax because the climate change hoax, they believe in their ignorance, is a threat to their survival. They, The same people who are the, the climate changers 
with no evidence, they're the ones that were the, the, the COVID extremists. Why? Because COVID, it's a danger to my survival. Uh, woke, woke is a created mentality. I think it's a, a personally a form of mental illness, a manufactured mental illness, which is all based on fear of not surviving and, and fear of, of anything, really. And so, again, you've got this swimmer, this male-bodied swimmer that's taking all these uh, women's mm. records. And again, what they're doing is dismantling society, even on the level of identity, well, particularly on the level of identity. So women are being targeted now, as I said, they would be when they were targeting men and toxic masculinity. I said, they're going to come for the women next. Why? Because what we're witnessing is not just the transformation of human society. We're witnessing the transformation of the human body. I've, I've been, you know, again, writing about this for a hell of a long time. When you look at 1984 by George Orwell, Eric Blair, as he was really called, and you look at Brave New World, oldest, these people weren't coming totally from their imagination. I mean, they had access to these inner networks. I'm not, so, not saying that Orwell was one of them. I'm not saying that, but he had access to it. He, he, he understood where this was going. Huxley absolutely understood where it was going. And so w what Huxley described in um, 1932 in Brave New World was the non-procreating human where humans were brought up in what he called world state hatcheries, uh, and there was no more human parental procreation. It was done technologically. And the sort of technology that he was describing in apparently in a kind of a science fiction type, if you like, setting, apparently, apparently, is now coming on, on, online. It's, it's now being introduced. Like, uh -huh. you know, the, the, you, you're now seeing stories. I saw one the other day. Oh, well, we've now found that these technological wombs are actually uh, be better than, than a, a, a woman's womb. What? Uh, and you can see where it's going. And so they're moving from human 1.0 to human 2.0, which is eventually meant to be a non-procreating human. And therefore, they don't need men and they don't need women. And that's why they're, target they're targeting both. Now, then you look at, and, and you can always tell where this is going by a number of things, who you can't criticize, what you can't criticize, and who's at the top at any point in the political correct pyramid of hierarchy. And of course, right up there now, above women, certainly above men, are transgender. Why transgender? Why has transgender come out of nowhere and suddenly everywhere? Because transgender, what we're looking at, and these transgender activists have no idea. I mean, you know, this cult and its billionaires that fund this stuff, they are laughing at them. Anyone think George Soros could care less about transgender rights or black people he couldn't care less they're vehicles to an end to him and his like so what you're seeing is the transgender explosion 
being used to first confuse gender, which it's doing massively, on the road to fusing gender. So I got news for the transgender activists. This is not going to transgender. This is going to no gender. Mm-hmm. And you are just the bloody stooges. And the idea is to create this highly far more highly synthetic human 2.0, which would be much more connectable to the technological web and the smart grid and all this stuff. And uh, it would be procreated uh, uh, technologically in the way absolutely that Huxley described because he had access to where this was going. And people might say, hold on a minute, 1932, how could he know about this technology? How could Orwell know about telescreens and all this stuff? How can people I've quoted in my books from 1969, insiders, be talking about the bloody internet in, in, in 1969 and, and describing it actually as it is? It's because we live in two worlds. The world of the population, which is kept in total ignorance of everything apart from what it basically needs to function, and the world of the cult, and I'm talking the inner core of the cult, where this knowledge is passed over through the, the generations on the basis of initiation into those that are, are, are chosen to have it, particularly through certain families. And so the difference between the cult world and the human world of the population is knowledge, the knowledge of who we are, where we are, the nature of reality and how it works is hoarded in the inner core of the of the cult and kept from the population. And so they have two completely different timelines of potentiality. The potentiality of the population is perceived by where technology is in the public arena that people can see. In the cult, the potentiality is far in advance of that. So in 1932, in this cult world, they would have known about this technology they're now playing out. They, they, they would have known about all these things that are happening technologically. They would know they were coming. And, and, and so if, if you read you know, the world of world state hatcheries, you'll see where this is supposed to go. And this brings us to the COVID jab. What, what, what are they putting into the bodies of people who have this jab? Synthetic genetic material. This is, this is all part of the, the, the process. All these dots connect. So we can... We can see this and where, where we need to go and how we can respond from the, this level of the human body, which is no more than a holographic illusion anyway. And, and we can get pulled into self-identity with this world and self-identity with the labels of this world. And we can see ourselves, therefore, in incredibly limited terms because if 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 you take this as a as a as a concept what is the ultimate i it's not this this is a vehicle for the i what is the i ultimate i it's consciousness it's a state of being aware the question then is how aware 
aware enough to just about function in the human world or aware enough to see what this human world actually is and how it works and where it's going. Those two perceptions are vastly different. Therefore, people's behavior and perceptions are obviously vastly different in in terms of the way they see the world. And the idea of the cult is to hold people, this is again coming into the censorship, hold people in a sense of self-identity that is basically the human five senses. Well, can I see it, touch it, taste it, hear it, etc.? Then it exists. If I can't, when it doesn't. And so if you can pull people into only basically five sense sense of reality, you are pulling them into deeply into the realm of limitation, the perception of I can't, the perception of it's not possible. And Thus, that's where you want them, because from that perspective, you can make them believe anything, you can make them do anything. They are no problem to your agenda. The little me mentality, what can I do? I have no power. And and, and, And so the idea is to get us to self identify the I with the body and the labels of the body. I am a man, I am a woman, I am a this income bracket, that income bracket, this religion, that religion, this sexuality, that sexuality. They are experiences. They are experiences which the true I consciousness is having. But the idea of the cult, again, psychologically, is to get you to self-identify your I, who you are, with those labels. Because that's going to pull you into the realm of Uh, limitation and you're playing in their stadium then gotcha and if you look at the woke mentality and and this is it's important to do so because it's a it's it's a microcosm of where we're being taken what are they doing with self-identity you you are consciousness you are all that is has been and ever can be having a brief experience called human and they want you to identify with human as being the I, okay. But what they're doing with woke is they're subdividing and subdividing and subdividing and subdividing the previous labels. So now you've got this list of letters, LBGT, getting longer and longer and longer and longer. I mean, some of the list of letters some universities use in America, I mean, it's just extraordinary. And so what you've got with the woke mentality is the self-identification of the I with the fine detail of someone's sexuality. You know, there's not even themes of sexuality in these letters anymore. It's fine detail. I don't want to know. Do what you like, as long as everyone's happy. But I don't need to know that, thank you. Mm-hmm. But, but, but what they're doing is they're subdividing. They're creating a greater and greater minutiae of people's sense of the I. And every time you go another step down, another step down, you're getting further and further and further from an influence of the true I, which is consciousness. And when we talk about, you know, an awakening going on, well, what is that? It's people awakening from the five sense prison cell. That's what it is. Because if you look at the five senses, the way they decode the world 
And the, the world they show us is one of things with empty space between. Actually, there is no empty space. It's energy. It's consciousness. But for the five senses decoding system, the frequencies that it can access and turn into a visual reality, there's empty space between the things. So what does that mean? Everything is apart from everything else. So if you want to divide and rule the population, then the five senses are the perfect place to do it because they're telling you that everything is apart from everything else. If you realize that we're all an expression of, of one infinite state of consciousness, then suddenly you realize actually all these divisions between us and the labels that divide us are, are, are actually illusions. They're just states of perception and states of self-identity, illusory state, state of self-identity. And so you, you are looking as people awaken. Why, why when they awaken from this five-sense prison cell, do they start to see the world differently? Because they are coming out of the myopia, which only sees dots. The five senses only sees dots. Here's a dot, computer. Here's a dot. It's a light. There's a dot. It's a window. Empty space between them. So it only sees dots. It doesn't see patterns. It doesn't see pictures. Expanded states of awareness see the pictures and the, the patterns. And this is why as, as people awaken from the five senses, they start to see how things are connecting. How, how this dot is actually just an expression of this pattern. And so is this dot and that dot, which to the five senses appear to be completely random and unconnected, but to expanded states of awareness that sees the pictures and the patterns, suddenly you can see how it's all connected. So and, unless you are in this more expanded, anyone could do it. This is not, you know, superiority. It's just our natural state where we should be. As you um, expand your awareness out of just five sense reality and perception, that's when you start to see the conspiracy. Because the conspiracy is a vast web, a vast pattern of interconnected organizations, people, and subjects. But to the five senses, there are there is no pattern. There's just individual people, individual corporations, individual organizations, and individual subjects. So you know, uh, uh, the, 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 this is another uh, reason, uh, as you talked about earlier, why so many people can't get the obvious. Why can't they see it? Well, they can't see it because they can't see it. The five senses won't see it. All they'll see is dots and randomness. It's as you awaken from the five senses and go deeper and deeper into the, the expanded states of consciousness, that's when you see it. And, and that's why they are, are seeking to keep the population in, in ignorance of, of everything. So we stay in a state of five sense perceptual Alcatraz. So the answer, and everything comes from that, is to open your mind to a greater sense of reality and a greater sense of self. Because as you do so, see, what you self-identify with is what you experience. If you self-identify with the labels of the five senses, you will perceive, you will live, you will experience a world that seems to be random, unexplainable, bewildering, and everything is in and of itself. 
that's that's your experience because of your perception. But as you expand your awareness, suddenly as you expand your awareness and what are you doing? You're expanding your self-identity. You're going from I am my five senses, I am my body, which will give you an experience of that level of perception, five senses. You're going to, no, no, that's my vehicle for experiencing this reality, which is just a very tiny band of frequencies. I am the consciousness that is experiencing this reality. And as you self, your self-identity expands into a greater sense of self, so without doing anything as a matter of course, your consciousness will expand with your self-identity. And suddenly you're seeing things you couldn't see before. And you're capable of doing things that you weren't capable of doing before. One of the things that happens when, when people start to um, awaken from the five-sense prison cell is they started to notice synchronicity in their lives where you know people suddenly bits of luck turn up and things happen just when you need them. And you think, oh, what's the chances of that? Oh, fancy seeing you here. Oh, what's the chances of that? These things start to happen because you are expanding into a greater, greater uh, scale of awareness, which you're interacting with. And thus that awareness, as it, as, you, as it expands, as you expand into it, is capable of manifesting what the five sense prison is not capable of manifesting. So this cult knows that. I've gone into this in the books. It absolutely knows that. And this other world and its imprisonment and suppression of knowledge especially the knowledge of reality and the nature of the eye is designed to stop us doing that because it knows the moment people start to awaken its game is over. If it happens in enough numbers, because if you look at the last two years, it's people who have done that that have sussed it. They've sussed it. I can see what's happening. It's all a scam. Those (laughs) still have the face diapers on. Right. So the suppression of knowledge, the suppression of increasingly of information designed to suppress our sense of self and a sense of the true I, because it knows, like I say, that once that dawns on people, once people remember the nature of the true self consciousness, the what that that which moves on eternally when this brief experience is over. Um, once people do that, the game is up. The only way this cult can control is by holding humanity in a smaller state of ignorance than it's in. <clears throat> because one of the biggest mistakes we can make as we survey the world is to think that this cult is omnipotent and all powerful. No, it's not. It's actually full of insecurity. It's terrified actually of being found out because it needs us. We don't need it for reasons I go into in the books. The point being that if you show me um, a control freak, I'll show you a, an insecure person because secure people, they 
are quite at peace with states of flux. They're quite at peace with outcomes that aren't callable. They're quite at peace with not controlling everything. Control freaks are not. They have to control everything. Why? Because they're insecure. That's what control freaks are. And this cult mentality, which goes under different names and different cultures, but they're talking about the same mentality, whether it's the Christian Satan or the Native American Wutiko or the Gnostic Archons, it doesn't matter. They're, they're describing the same consciousness that is actually behind this cult. And it's incredibly insecure. And thus, it has to control everything to give it a sense of security. That's why it is always seeking to control all sides in every situation so it can know the outcome. It's terrified of outcomes it can't call. Secure people are quite at peace with that, like I say. And that's the difference. And so it itself, I'll call it Watiko, the Native Americans call it that, this consciousness this Watiko, this inverted, chaotic, evil consciousness, evil in the sense of absence of love, is itself in a very limited state of ignorance and intelligence, very limited. So the only way that it's being able to control humanity is by making humanity more ignorant than it is, by putting humanity in a smaller box than it's in. So this is why it's set up in America via the Rockefellers, like I say. This education system, it's, it's an ignorant system. It's not about education. It's about keeping people ignorant. The media is about keeping people ignorant. All communication that is mainstream is about keeping people ignorant and overwhelmingly keeping them ignorant of who they are, where they are, the nature of reality, and how the world works. So you put them in a box and you put them in a bigger box. And that's the dynamic. So when you look at the classic uh, symbol or one of the classic symbols of this cult, which is the all-seeing eye, it's perfect. It's an all-seeing eye. Not two oh, eyes, okay. not third eyes. It's an all-seeing eye. And it is a, a, a wonderful way of describing it is in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So let's not fall for this, ladies and gentlemen of the world, that this cult and what's behind all this that's going on is super intelligent and super omnipotent and super powerful. It's not. It's A, putting us in a box of ignorance smaller than it's in, so it's got that control, and also... It's getting the population to give its power in the form of acquiescence to this, this cult. And the, the central vehicle, the middleman, if you like, between giving your power away to the cult from the population is what we call authority. So people, the population give its power to authority, but authority is simply a vehicle for the cult. So by giving power to authority, you're giving power to the cult. And it's a very simple, if we're looking at ways forward, it's a very simple mathematical equation. You don't even need a calculator. Look at the number of people in the world, closing in on 8 billion, 
and then look at the number of people in in full knowledge who are behind the way the world is and the direction it's being taken. Then add to that number, which will be tiny, ultimately you'll get them in one room if you go deep enough. Add to that number all the law enforcement, all the government officials in their dark suits imposing the will of the cult without a, most of them even knowing there is a cult, all, the, all the, the others in the system, add all them in and then take that number away from 8 billion. And you'll be left with almost 8 billion uh, comparatively. Because the number of people, both in full knowledge of what they're doing and those that are gophers, most of them not knowing why they're doing it, is tiny compared with the population. So it's a simple question. How could billions of people be forced into lockdown by that number? We've got a, let's take Scotland as, as an example. We've got a tyrant in Scotland Actually, she's ludicrous. Like all tyrants, she's she's ludicrous, hilarious. You know, a, a, a clown. But all the way through the last two years, her name's Nicholas Sturgeon. She has said, this is what's happening. And the vast majority of Scottish people have done it. And we've got a moron beyond morons, almost beyond the world meaning morons. In Wales here, called Mark Drakeford, and when he says in the last two years, this is what's going to happen, the great majority of people in Wales have done it. The great majority of people in England, not so many, uh, ratio-wise, but still a great majority, have done what this moronic man Johnson has told him. And these psychopaths behind him who are telling him what to do. In America... How many are doing what a senile president is telling them to do? You've got the whole state of Victoria in Australia who's been told what to do by a psychopathic uh, moron called Daniel Andrews, the premier. Another guy in France, Macron. How can these few people, Trudeau, how can these few people tell whole nations what's going to happen and the great majority of the nation do it. In that question, you have the answer both to how we change this and why throughout known human history, no matter what era, no matter what culture, the few have always controlled the many. It's because the many give their power to authority in the form of acquiescence. And there's two groups There's one group, we all know them, who just do what authority tells them because authority tells them. They don't question anything. They just do what they're told. This authority, they must know what they're doing. Well, look a bit deeper. You'll find they bloody don't. And then you've got this other group that can see some of it and doesn't want to do what authority is telling them to do but they still do it because they fear not doing it. And those two groups, those two mentalities have been responsible for every single tyranny in history because tyrannies are not brought in by tyrants. They're brought in by the population acquiescing to tyrants. There's never enough tyrants to do it. 
And that leaves this other group, which are those that see it and won't cooperate with it. And they have ended every tyranny in history. And the same dynamic is there today. And those who can see it have this responsibility not to cooperate. And I guess that's our job, though. Yeah, it's not, it's, not even, it's, it's not even taken to the streets, although, you know, that can be a portrayal of the public mood. Nothing wrong with that. I've been on endless bloody freedom marches in London. But it's not cooperating that takes their power away. And cooperation is acquiescence. So if you take society nationally and internationally, globally, to be a pyramid, and at the top of the pyramid is the inner, cult, inner core of this cult, which, like I say, if you go deep enough, you'll get them into one room. And then how does those few people impose their will on the entirety of the global population? How do they do it? Well, it's a simple, simple process. Imposition acquiescence. Imposition acquiescence. So the few at the top impose their will, their agenda, what they want to happen upon the level below them, who acquiesce to them and impose it on the level below them. And you come down eventually and quite quickly, you're meeting levels of the pyramid hierarchy that no longer know there is an inner core or there is a cult. But the process continues. Higher level imposes on the lower level, the lower level acquiesces and imposes on the next level. And this comes all the way down society. This is why hierarchies are absolutely essential to what's happening and has always happened. You've come down to the population. And if the population in general acquiesce at that point to that level of the hierarchy that's imposing upon them, which is governments, law enforcement, and government officials, and so on, then a circuit is completed between the tiny few at the top of the pyramid and the, the, the population, the whole population. And that circuit of imposition and acquiescence, imposition and acquiescence has allowed the agenda, the will of those tiny few at the top to be imposed on the entirety of the population. And we saw that so clearly in the, the last two years. Now, you know, I, I don't look for solutions to anything because solutions tend to lead to more problems when in search of more solutions. What I look for is the cause of the problem because a problem manifests because it has a cause. And if you take the cause of the problem away, the problem must disappear. Without a cause, it can't exist. And the cause of human enslavement is human acquiescence to authority. End that, it's over. And the dynamic has been that government says and population does. That has to change. It has to be turned on its head. So instead of the population responding to government, government has to respond to population. And a very different type of what we call government too, not the hierarchical type that we have now. But government has to respond to the people and the government has to respond to the people when the people won't cooperate with the government. So if, if someone comes out of the white house or Downing street or wherever and says, well, we've had a meeting, we've had a discussion 
and this is what's going to happen. How many times did we hear that in the last two years? Well, this is what's going to happen. If enough people say, we're not doing it. No, we're not doing that. Don't be daft. Where's the power? It's unenforceable. But it's enforced, maybe enforced here and there by law enforcement, but overwhelmingly it's enforced by the acquiescence of the population. That has to stop. And, and once it stops, government authority has to respond to the people. Well, we can't make them do this, so what will they do? Well, they will do this. Oh, we better do that then. And suddenly the will of the people becomes much more the, the dominating force than the will of the few controlling government. But while the acquiescence continues, that dynamic can't change because the whole foundation of it is acquiescence to authority. Brilliantly that's said. What, that's what we have. That's what we have to get rid of. Right. We have to stop that portion and get it out of the equation. It's the only way we can do it. And it looks like people like us and me and Mark and you, Mister Ike, we've got, we've got our work cut out for us. But we're going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, well, we have, we have. <laughs> but you know, if you've got a dam holding back a great body of water, it can be a very very long time before any cracks appear in the dam. But once the cracks appear, the dam can go very quickly. Things can change uh-huh. very quickly. Once the dynamic, in this case, the structure of the dam, human acquiescence, is, is undermined, the dam falls. And it can happen very, very quickly. I mean, you know, we've seen in history how things have gone from here to here enormously fast once a certain, uh, a certain critical mass, critical point has been reached. So, you know, I, I remain optimistic <laughs> and like all of us, like you and, and all of us, we're going to, we're going to keep going to, to, to the end. Well, David, thank you so much. I mean, I'm just honored to have you here and, you know, I was very nervous about this, but you're such a brilliant orator that you just took us right through this. And I hope the audience follows up with you on Iconic. You are connecting a lot of dots. And if folks want to see you connect the dots, they can go to Iconic.com every Saturday where you have the dot connector with David Ike. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what else you're working on before you go? Yeah, well, (laughs) I said I work seven days a week, so there's a few things going on. I've just finished a book, actually, uh, today. Um, Fantastic. Uh, called, called, called The Trap, which will be out as soon as we can get it out. Getting books out to America now from Britain is, is a bloody nightmare with the shipping delays, etc. And the, 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 the costs are going through the bloody roof. But, but we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. So that's, that, I've just finished that. That's, that's in production now. And I, I'm absolutely delighted with what my son Jamie has done in the last, not more than two years, which is create the iconic platform because we could basically see the censorship coming and we wanted to do everything we could to create a situation in which we could do everything possible to make this information. And so, you know, we, we run off our own server. We're not beholding to any server. Iconic runs up its own. And so he's created this platform, which is not just about conspiracy. It's about every alternative subject you can think uh-huh. of. And very much about this. I've just done a series, which is up, up on Iconic now. It's about 13 parts on the nature of reality, using special effects and stuff like that. Of the, the illusory nature of physical reality is extraordinary. It's a subject I'm 
passionate about. And then every Saturday morning, it's up from 10 a.m. UK, and then it's there forever. I do a, a show called The Doc Connector Show, Doc Connect the News. And I go through the, the main points of the week's news. And it's not just this is what's happened. That's, that's, that's one thing. The real key, as you well know, is why is it happening? Because it's the why that connects the dots. Why, why, why is that happening? Or why is that happening when they don't seem to be connected? Well, the why connects that and the why connects that. So uh, I do that every week. And my son, Gareth, does a great show, which is on Iconic every Friday evening called Right Now. We're talking to really topical guests and, and people you'll never see in the mainstream. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, we've got to, I mean, you know, the, the whole thing's just amazing. And I, I'm not saying that from my personal point of view. I haven't created it. Jamie's created it. Um, we're having Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. McCullough on soon uh, awesome. to do, to do a, a debate on the whole fake vaccine thing, you know, which people will be able to participate in. So, you know, there's, there's some amazing things going on. And we, we've got a, a, a show every Wednesday called Divine, which is our Absolute Solutions show, which, again, talks to people who are look, looking for where do we go from here? How do we respond to this? So, I mean, I, I just couldn't be more delighted with what's, what Iconic's become. You're busier now than ever. Oh, yeah. But that's good. I mean, yeah, you know, that's good. The, the, for much of the last 30 years, the challenge has been getting anyone interested in it. <laughs> oh, we're interested. A lot of rubbish, mate. And now it's you, responding to the interest. So that, that is a barometer of, of, of how things yeah. have changed. Well, you have, you have, you have. I couldn't even tell you how many fans you have over here across the pond. <laughs> I, I've been I've been a fan for many many years. I was only I, I was only, only fourteen honored. when I first heard your your quote about you know how the all the truth comes from a, a four by four box in the corner of the room, you know whichever mm. artist this was that used the the quote really changed my life and and brought your work into the forefront of uh, young changing minds. So yeah, David. It's truly an honor. We don't want to take up any more of your time because you certainly are a busy guy. And all the best from us here in New England to old England over there. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I hope to get there again at some point. You let us know. We'd love oh, to yeah. have you. <laughs> right on. See you. See you. Have Thanks a great afternoon. Really great. Really great. I really enjoyed it. fucking amazing right on what hey, do you I, think Ron? I, I, watch, I watch your shows and I can listen to David talk for fucking hours he just said I was getting into this when you ask him that last question he just ran with it and that was awesome yeah I mean like I said I didn't want to hold him up he, he gave us an hour and then he gave us uh, almost two that's awesome yeah I was like yeah, totally blown away Tara what do you think Tara's here. She's listening. Oh, that's cool. Hey, Tara. Hi, Ron. Um, I haven't seen you in a while. I know. I've been Bring your cuteness car. into the camera. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no. no, she's sitting down. Yeah, I don't know. I, 
I, I, I just think that it brings it all back to our relationship with ourselves now. So that's kind of the main point I took away from all of that. Everything else was a huge download as far as the COVID stuff and how that all works and connects and comes together. I'd be yeah, I agree. Go ahead. I agree 100%. No, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah. I'd like to know about more about the, the they behind the curtain mm. that have orchestrated it all. Well, he's, you know, I'm glad you said that, Tara, because he's put so much work out in his books that I almost didn't want to get too far into the details with him because it's almost like, you know, we have him here. It's such an honor. Like, let's talk about, you know, the things that he would give like a speech about or like, you know, at at the end of a a big rally or something. And that's really what I felt like we got out of him. Like this really sort of overarching, you know, I I don't know how anyone could listen to that and not be fired up. I'm fired up right now. I mean, my phone died while that was going on completely through all cares to the wind. That's why I was all nervous because I didn't hear the recording start. Oh, no, no, no. Fuck me, Mark. You better be fucking recording it. (laughs) No, I recorded it. I got it on my mixer. I, it's, it's, it's funny that you, you felt that because I've had guests do that to me before where they're like, are we recording right now? Because I don't use Zoom anymore to record because it's such a pain in the ass. I was, I've been so excited for this interview. I think he, I think he likes us. I, I, think he, I think he was getting into the conversation. I really do. Well, you know, that's the feeling I took because it was not like, a, well, I'm going to go on with these, you know, two people that you know i have no idea who they are but i think it was good that you told him that i was familiar with rich mm. and i and i guess he go oh oh like that you know so that well, that was a good good sign right so i'm glad you brought that up but no well, that that's was the awesome. other reason why i wanted you here too because i know you're way more up on uh, some of those things than i am especially as far as like the the current events you know and i i was afraid that he was going to take it in because if you look at my questions they're all like consciousness and the cult that's all i wanted to ask him about we ended up talking a lot about covid and current events and the transgender agenda which i didn't expect to get into but i'm glad we did and and you're definitely more versed than i am when it comes to like being able to talk about those things on the fly you know not that i'm not able to i just am not as you know up to date on current events yeah you know i think i've done pretty good in the last few days i got on with sam and I think I and I think I kind of blew roll. him away. Well, did you? you no, know, just go go on my thing with Sam and listen to like the last ten minutes. At the end, he goes, "Okay, you're my new best friend. I don't care if you don't want to be my friend, but I'm your new best friend." <laughs> <laughs> and that was just kind of funny. Oh well, but, he uh, already no, this was good. He already out of the gates had what is it a singing endorsement from me on the phone i was like you're gonna love this guy ron from new england he's a character he's unique you never talk to anybody like this and he's talking about your favorite subject your favorite group of people and he was like who i'm like the kazarians <laughs> so yeah i can i could see that yeah yeah um, the comments were the comments were very encouraging on the group chat on that show too Everybody's like, oh, I like this guy. I like this guy. You got to get him back on. And one guy's, you got to get him on tinfoil hat. So, great, great show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the comments are shit. You got to load more. You got so many comments on this video. Damn, Ron. Yeah, absolutely. So if people aren't on Rockfin, they're listening to this. Sign up for Rockfin. You know, you got to subscribe to My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. 
But also while you're there, how could you not subscribe to Tinfoil Hat? If you're already there, be sure to check out Only Conspiracies, episode number 20, Ron from New England and the Kazarian Mafia. But wow, a lot to a lot to to digest with that conversation with David Ike. Lot to digest. <laughs> yeah, I want you to send me. I would like you to send me a copy of that too, Mark. At some absolutely. point, absolutely. Yeah, feel free to I air it on Wicked like Planet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I will. I will down the road because you know I want you to get. I always do that. A couple well, this weeks, is going to be weeks down the road or whatever. This is going to be episode one hundred and fifty. Yeah, I felt like that would be an appropriate guess for a milestone sort of number. A lot of podcasts try to do that. You know, our 50th episode was kind of like a a review call-in sort of thing, right? I can't remember. 50. Oh, 50 was Tommy Chong. So, yeah, that was a pretty big episode. That was Tara's first time on the show. And then then 100 was the birthday that Tara organized. I used that as the 100th episode. And then this will be 150. My plan was to have have Sam Tripoli on for 150, but he's so busy that I think it'd be better to not rush it and do it for episode 200, and uh, we'll have yeah. Sam on then. Yeah, Sam even told me he goes, "Hey, you know, I'm really busy, but I'm gonna I want to come on your show. I'll come on your show." So I I don't know. I guess he was impressed. I think I was so. Happy with that. I yeah, think I was so. Happy with and that. so was David. I mean, geez, we we got a new friend in England now. <laughs> Yeah. He's got some interesting things like he's he's got this thing that he's into, which is like the multidimensional thing, which I am totally into. And I was kind of hoping we were going to have some time to touch on that mm. today, but uh, but we ran out of time. But uh, yeah, he's into that, you know, the whole thing about time, well, the t- time, time as a construct and interdimensional, interde- interdimensional uh, situations or whatever. Anyways, I'm at a loss for words right now so but uh but yeah we're still recording any final thoughts on everything he said before we wrap up i mean that the time concept yeah for sure i tara and i have been researching that on and off over the past few months jose arguelles's book inspired that for the two of us and i think i even bought his book he's written so many books it's hard you know as someone who owns older books of his to be like hey let's do you know you know conversation about this stuff you talked about 10 years ago (laughs) it's like i'd rather keep it fresh and topical which is why i was really grateful that you're here ron because you definitely anchored us in that yeah i I like how we explained explained out the whole cult thing Mm. uh like like the cult for dummies kind of thing like it uh, it really went over it, but it covered it, so it'll make it ex- understandable for people that are right. His you know, concept right of ver- the cult, right yeah. On the, yeah, right on the verge of awakening. Yeah, for sure. Mm, absolutely. Anything else before we we wrap up here? No, I probably should get back at it. I got a bunch of things I got to do today. I was I was definitely. I told everybody, listen, I need some time. Do not send anybody up to my office. <laughs> right on. So. So All right, that was Ron. good. Yeah, Mark, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Thank you, and let the listeners know where they can listen in to your show before we go and wrap up here. Yeah, Ron from New England on Instagram and the Wicked Planet Podcast. Come check it out. Right and on. come listen to the Wicked Planet Podcast. The show's usually out every Thursday. But I'm, I'm going to talk to Buckley this week. I think what I want to do is do our main show, 
and then one night a week when he's not in studio because I have a lot of people now that want to come on the show and I think and I think that's going to be or they want us to go on their show so I think that's going to be really ramping up over the next month so we might be going back to like an episode a typical two epi- a two hour episode a week and then we might do another one hour episode a week cool kind of something I'd like to do yeah awesome I'll let yes. you go. I hear the machines roaring in the background down there. I'll let you get back to, to work, Ron. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. All right, Mark. Thank Bye, you. Ron. Bye, Tara. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And what a guest, David Ike. I'm certain that. With a name like David Icke, we might be getting a whole bunch of new listeners to the show. So if this is your first time listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, welcome and thank you for checking us out. We have a bunch of awesome interviews in the catalog. Just jump through. All the names are right at the front. So it's pretty easy to figure out what episodes, you know, what each episode is about. The most relevant talking points from the conversation as the title you get the gist. You've seen it before. But wow, what a conversation with David Ike. Big thanks to Ron from New England, host of the Wicked Planet podcast, for joining me. And of course, my lovely girlfriend Tara joining us as well. And you know, Ron summed it up when he said he was at a loss for words. It's hard to comment when David Ike comes in and drops the hammer like he does. It drops all these truth bombs, but if you like what you heard today, support the show. We had a uh, video version of the show that goes on Rockfin. You can check out this interview there as well. And uh, our Patreon, of course, is the best way to support the show. We have merch. This episode is coming out in March. So go over to the merch store right now and take advantage of the month of merch madness. Use that promo code MFTIC88. Get free shipping on anything in our store. We got a bunch of awesome designs, over 80 different designs, as a matter of fact. So there's a whole bunch of different things to get t shirts, hoodies, mugs, etc. So, and how can I forget the Telegram? We streamed this conversation live on Telegram. That's right, you can stream audio on Telegram. And if you join our Telegram group, maybe you can catch another live stream. Who knows? we're going to be interviewing next a lot of great episodes coming out this following week we've got tony merkel we've got ryan bledsoe the hollow sky podcast and this is episode 150 and i couldn't think of a better guest to have on than david ike for this milestone episode wow really cool really cool to be here you know, like I said to David sort of towards the end there, I first heard his voice in a rap song that was End of Days by Vinnie Paz and Block McCloud. Um, and yeah, I remember hearing that quote about, you know, we're all hypnotized by a, you know, box in the corner of the room. And as a kid, that just made me re-examine everything that I was seeing on TV and movies and it really just got the ball rolling and probably pushed me to where I am today. So big shout out to David Ike. Be sure to go to iconic.com to check out everything David Ike. 
And while you're at it, go to myfamilythinksimcrazy.com and figure out all the ways to stay up to date with the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. If you want to join on Telegram and leave us a voice message, tell us why your family thinks you're crazy and we'll air it on the show. That's right. Big shout out to everybody who signed up for the Patreon in the past few weeks. We gave the spirit animal names in the last episode. If you join our Patreon, you'll get a spirit animal name too. Pretty cool stuff. Anyways, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a great moment wherever you are in the now.